Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. And today, we're excited to have Jay John back on the program. I always am looking forward to having him with us. And I know from what I hear from you, you love him, as do we. And we find it always to be a very, very powerful hour of talk. And we're excited today to talk about evangelism. If you go to canonjjohn.com, canonjjohn.com, you can learn more about him. He is a speaker and an author, and he has, uh, loves evangelism, and I love it too, and Peter loves it too. Peter's going to be joining us uh, in after a couple of the breaks, but for now it's just Jay John and I, and we're going to start talking about natural evangelism. John, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Bill. Always a privilege to be on the program, and uh, greetings to everyone that's listening. Uh, I'm I'm so pleased that Bill and I can have this conversation and you can listen in and engage. Amen to that. I love the expression natural evangelism. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Absolutely. Well, I the word evangelism, Bill, often conjures up in lots of different people uh, a sense of uh, discomfort, unease, fear, anxiousness. And we want to break those kind of stereotypes, hence the fact natural, make, make it natural, just uh, allow God to use you and to use the shape, that, the way he shaped you. I'm reminded of King David when he said, you shaped me in my mother's womb. And if you take that word shape, S-H-A-P-E, S spiritual gifts, H, heart, A, abilities, P, personality, E, experience, then God takes our shape and somehow just uses it to engage uh, with our family, friends, our neighbors, our colleagues. You know, I think you're spot on. I think it's the word evangelism that just has people running a little scared because they have their own definition of it. They have not gotten to the point where it's it's something that they're very comfortable with. So I, I think it's great that we're going to spend part of this hour breaking that down, realizing that God is going to give you the strength that you need, given the gifts he's given you, to share the hope that you have in him with others. Oh, totally, Bill. I mean, you just, you know, you've uh, encapsulated it in those first few sentences. And, so, you know, sadly today, Bill, so many believers, so many Christians, followers of Jesus, they seem to have taken literally what Jesus said to three disciples, see that you tell no one. Um, but actually, <laughs> we have a great commission, you know, and one of the things I want to do and what I'd like you, you, you and I and Peter later to do in this in this program, uh, because so many Christians are like Arctic rivers. They're frozen at the mouth. And what we want to do in this <laughs> hour together 
what we want to do is is kind of defrost that and melt it and let's see where we go and the starting point bill is the great commission and let me remind everyone what the great commission matthew 28 verse 19 therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i'm with you always to the very end of the age now as you know um the, uh, bill i'm i speak greek i'm bilingual uh, i read the new testament in greek and let me just remind uh, the listeners the greek word for go means go <laughs> <laughs> i was expecting I so much more but no i love that yeah it's no, I think sometimes people think, oh, well, maybe the original doesn't mean that, but it, it really uh -huh. does mean go. You know, we, Bill, must be global Christians with a global mission because we have a global God. And if I can quote the philosopher Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh said, you can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You have to go to them sometimes. Mm. And really, we do. And, I, and I, I frequently say to people that a missionary is not someone who crosses the sea. A missionary is someone who sees the cross. And I think when you've seen the cross, Bill, when you've understood the cross of Jesus, uh, to quote the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the love of Christ compels me. And, and we become the light of the world. And we are his representatives and his ambassadors. And therefore, we're either a good witness or we're not a good witness. And so there's a huge responsibility involved in the great commission that Jesus has entrusted to you and to me. So if you don't wanna take it from one of the great evangelists in the UK or a guy who hosts a radio show here in the US, at least listen to the cuddly bear. Absolutely, the Bill, yes. <laughs> yeah, so you know, John, oh, go ahead, please. No, no, yeah, there was, um, there was one verse that came to mind um, just that moment, and it was Philemon 1 verse 6, and it says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. I, I think there's something powerful that takes place in the sharing of our faith where in that particular scripture uh, we we become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing it, there's something amazing takes place in our own lives as we share it and you know jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive so there's something about us sharing the good news that comes back to us mm -hmm. my guest is canon j john you can go to canonjjohn.com to learn more about him and his amazing ministry. 
when it comes to sharing the gospel, the Bible does tell us, John, that there will be people who will be offended because of the gospel, because of what we're telling them, but we are commanded to share the gospel. Um, And sometimes when it comes to sharing it with someone that we have close emotional ties to, it becomes increasingly more difficult. Why is that? Well, um, first of all, Jesus said, go out into Jerusalem, into Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Okay, what does that mean? Well, when he told the first disciples to do that, what was Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem was the place where they denied Jesus. Peter denied Jesus publicly. Where were they at the crucifixion? Only John was there and the women. So Jesus was basically saying, I want you to start in the place of your greatest failure. Now, where is that for most of us today? I would suggest it is with family, friends, neighbors, colleagues. Mm -hmm. But I think Jesus is saying, if you want to reach the world, you have to reach your world. And that's our Jerusalem. So before you go into Judea, the county, before you go into Samaria, before you go to the ends of the earth, you go to your Jerusalem. And frequently, Bill, you know, churches will encourage people to go on a missions trip. And I say, yes, go on a missions trip, walk next door. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, built, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. You don't have to spend oh, the whole year cheaper. fundraising. You know, and I yeah. think the thing is, it's about intentionality. Uh, I like that word, Bill, intentionality. If you don't have that intentionality, then you're going to bypass Jerusalem. You're going to bypass Judea. You're going to bypass Samaria and you might go on a missions trip somewhere to the ends of the earth. But I think we need to focus on our Jerusalem. I couldn't agree more, Uh, John. When you uh, talk to people, let's just admit for many, it is going to be hard because if we're going to try to tell people that it's going to be easy, I think we'll scare some away. But when we talk about natural evangelism, We're going to kind of massage them into their zone, into their lane where they can say, I can do this. I may not be good at that, but I can do this. And this is where I need to put my my focus and my attention and allow God to use the natural spiritual gifts he's given me to share the hope that I have in Christ with others. I don't think we can, I don't think we need to make this scary, but we can admit that for some, it is intimidating. Yeah, I agree. Uh, But Bill, the Greek word for witness is marturia, from which we derive the word martyr. Our Mm. witness always carries the seed of the martyr. And in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, we read, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We are not told to provoke it, or to invite it, but we are told to expect it. So I think let's not be surprised, Bill, if people might ridicule us, might mock us, might. The the thing is this though, if we do it with gentleness and respect as we're 
exhorted to do so from Peter, then I, I don't think we need to worry about it. And I have found, Bill, as I've become far more intentional in reaching out to those in my Jerusalem, God has used it. And so many people these last two years, I actually think have become far more receptive and far more responsive, uh, seeking some kind of spiritual guidance. We need to seize the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, John, when you think of your natural evangelism, your natural gifts that God has given you, what do you recognize to be one of them? Well, okay, I, I would say this, that, you know, in a, in a court of law, Bill, you have a witness and the witness gets up in the court of law and says, look, let me just tell you my story. Let me tell you what I know. Now, you don't even have to rehearse it. Just tell the truth. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but in the court of law, you have an attorney, uh, what we say in England, a barrister. And, and the attorney takes the evidence and presents the facts in such a convincing manner as to get the jury to make a decision. Now, every Christian, including myself, we are a witness. We're called to be a witness. But I am also like the attorney. God has um, anointed me, gifted me in being able to present the facts in such a convincing Mm -hmm. manner as to get the jury to make a decision. And I'm called an evangelist. Uh, So the point, the distinction I want to make is this. In the church, every single one of us is a witness, but some of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. Yes, you are so gifted and such a delight to listen to. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, Ken and J. John is our guest. We're talking about natural evangelism. And when we come back, what we're going to talk about next is praying, because praying is critical to natural evangelism. You can go to canonjjohn.com. So coming up next, we're going to talk about how critical prayer is to natural evangelism. Jay John is my guest. You can go to canonjjohn.com. He comes to us from across the pond, and he is an author, speaker, evangelist, an incredible thinker, a lover of people, wants to share his hope that he has in Christ with everyone he comes across. So out of that is our discussion today on natural evangelism, and God will equip you. You know, I sometimes think people say, well, I, I'm not good at small talk or, uh, you know, I need to learn how to do this better. I, just ask God. He will help you. He will help you in your desire to be better at natural evangelism. So as we continue our discussion, Jay John, I'd love for you to talk about how critical is prayer to being uh, gifted and equipped to be an evangelist? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Bill, we need to pray for the lost and and i use the word lost 
um, I'm quoting scripture, I'm quoting Jesus. Those who don't know the Lord are lost. And it's important to bear that in mind. Nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. And when we pray, coincidences happen. And mm -hmm. when we don't pray, they don't happen. Um, if I can just share uh, two stories, there's this lovely story um, about a church that got very concerned that the building next to the church that was literally stuck to the church had been purchased by a businessman and he was renovating it to open it as a 24 hour bar and nightclub. And the church had an emergency prayer meeting to pray about this situation. And during that night, there was lightning and thunder and the building next to them got burnt down. The owner of the building sued the church for causing the lightning that burnt down his building and it went to a court. And the judge said just before the court proceedings, he said, this is the most difficult case that I've ever come across because I have a businessman who believes that God answers prayer and I have a church that doesn't. <laughs> you know, Bill, I, I do wonder how much we really do believe our prayers mm -hmm. do make a difference. You know, I'm very intentional in praying for the people I know who don't know Jesus. My wife and I, uh, we wake up around 6 a.m. in the morning and we, we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray for each other, we pray for our family, and then we currently pray for 42 people who don't know Jesus that we personally no, we pray, we pray that the Lord will open their eyes. We pray that the Lord will open the eyes of their hearts. Mm -hmm. We pray that the Lord will make them receptive. We pray that the Lord will even speak to them supernaturally, even through dreams. We pray that God will give us opportunities to sow seed into their lives. So for us, the starting point is being intentional in praying for the lost. I love that list, 42. I hope that names um, go off it, and I hope and assume new names go on it. It's a list that probably um, is always very fluid, I hope. Yes, but I think the thing is, what's so good, Bill, is just this, you know, I, I, my wife and I don't pray for them once a week, because sometimes once a week, well, you, you might forget, but we pray for them every day, because there's a longing in us for them to come and know Jesus so that they can experience what we've experienced, forgiveness from the past, new life today, and a hope for the future. So it comes out of a desire of great compassion for our friends, for the people that we know. And John, I also see that your heart is one that prays with a sense of urgency because as you and I both know, our next breath comes at the mercy of an all-sovereign God, and we don't know what today will bring, and we don't know what tomorrow will bring for some of the people on this list. So when we pray with a sense of urgency, I think it's really wise. 
keep them close to our heart and present them to the Lord consistently and persistently. Absolutely. And, you know, if, if you have that conviction in your heart, Bill, that, that God hears our prayers, then we know that we're doing, we're working with God uh, for their salvation. Uh, can I tell you, Bill, my, my favorite, one of my favorite prayer stories is of this uh, missionary from Africa who returned to his sending church in Scotland. And uh, he arrived one night to report to the church what was happening in Africa. It was a very cold, rainy night. And when he arrived there, there was 12 uh, women, quite elderly, and he was a little discouraged, not because they were there to pray, but because they would not be able to go to Africa. But he felt that he should give the same message that he had planned. And he gave this message about the need to go to Africa. And, uh, and then he ended it by saying, who will go? Who will go? Now, he didn't know that the organist had a, a boy, a young boy, that was helping him with the billows for the organ. And the little boy stood up, having heard his sermon, and said, I will go. I will go. Now, that young boy's name was David Livingston. <laughs> and they they said to David Livingston, look, the best way to go to Africa is to become a medical doctor. Then you can go as a medical missionary, which he did. And he ministered in Africa extensively. They tried to reach a tribe and the chief of the tribe sent a message to David Livingston and said, we're going to come and kill you and kill everybody in your compound tonight. And David Livingston kept a diary, and you can read about this in his diary. And obviously he's fearful. Lord, we've labored for decades, and now all the work will be extinguished. But they didn't come. They didn't come and murder them. Anyway, years later, David Livingston met up with the chief who eventually came to know Christ. And David Livingston said to him, you said you were going to come and kill us. And he said, yes, we did come and to kill you. Well, why didn't you kill us? And the chief said, because there were 36 giants surrounding your compound. So we ran away. A couple of years later, David Livingston returned to his sending church in Scotland. And he told that story. And when he finished his sermon, the secretary of the church came up to him and said, Dr. Livingston, Dr. Livingston, I've got my diary here. Can you remember the date of when the chief was going to come and murder you? He said, yes, I know the date. I can tell it to you. He told him the date. The secretary turned to his diary and he showed him the page of that date. There were 36 people in that church praying for David Livingston. It just takes my breath away. It's just an amazing story of God's provision. Just amazing. Ken and J. John is my guest. We're going to continue talking about natural evangelism. When we come back, next up, we're going to talk about how important it is to be caring. Be right back. It's the afternoon. 
Good Show with Phil Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Phil Arno. So glad to be back with Canon J. John. He's an evangelist, he's an author, speaker. He lives over in the UK. Always glad to have him on the program. We usually get him after dinner uh, because he has to record with us, but we're always thrilled. Dr. Peter Kapsner will be joining us in this segment. Looking forward to having him uh, join us as well. But we're talking today about natural evangelism. And if you missed any of this, please go to MyFaithRadio.com and check out the podcast because you're going to learn a lot about how to be a natural evangelist from today. So, John, if we can now, maybe we can shift to how important it is to be caring. Absolutely, Bill. And the thing is this, Bill, praying leads to caring. There is something that when we engage with God for someone, uh, it, it something happens in us that creates compassion and we want to care. And people do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. And that's so, so important. Acts of kindness encourage people to step nearer to God. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. You know, some people, Bill, create happiness wherever they go, and some people create happiness whenever they go. <laughs> I don't know if you've had that experience. <laughs> you know, we, it says that Jesus went about doing good. And we need to be people who go around doing good. Uh, my wife and I, uh, as well as having our usual devotional disciplines of, of prayer, uh, and Bible study, we also go on prayer walks and we will walk around the community. We'll walk around the community where we live and just pray. And we're praying for our Jerusalem. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for the world. OK. And on one of these occasions, my wife and I were walking, we're praying. And I see this woman and uh, I said to my wife, is that lady, is she the one that lives like five doors up from us who has a sick son and my wife said I think it is and whenever that happens to me Bill now in the old days I would ignore it this kind of prompting you know quiver in my liver but I tell you now Bill I always follow them because I always think maybe the Holy Spirit has prompted me so I walk up to the woman and I said excuse me is your name Barbara? And she says, yes, it is. And she says, well, I know who you are. But I said, oh, Barbara, I've heard you have a son and your son is sick. She says, yes, he's actually dying. She says, can you go now to the hospice and pray for my son? And 
I mean, my first was a human reaction. I thought, goodness, does what does the woman think I do all day? But then I, for a moment, I reflected and I thought, have I got anything more important than to visit a dying son? Now, her son was her only son, no other children. He's 32 years of age. So I go to the hospice with my wife. I introduce myself to him and I say, I've just met your mother. I'm a minister and your mother asked me to come and pray for you. And I said, would you like me to do that? And he took a long while to answer. And then he looked at me in the eyes and he said, I would rather have a hug. And my wife, Killy, and I bent down and he lifted himself up and the three of us held each other. And he started crying and then I started crying and then my wife started crying. And then he let go and we laid him down. And I said, well, do you want the prayer anyway? And he said, look, I'm an atheist, but if you need to pray, go ahead. So I just put my hand on his chest and I just prayed a prayer inside, not outside. And then I said, hey, would you like me to visit you? And he said, I'd really like that. And so I kept on visiting him and he was absolutely transformed. Um, and the day after his mother knocks on the door and she says he died, would I preach at the funeral? Now the mother is a new ager and the guy was a quite a famous DJ, which I didn't realize. And there's 800 people at the funeral and, uh, and I'm preaching at the funeral. And then afterwards, I get mobbed by people asking me, Jay John, you said in your sermon that you can go to heaven via King's Cross. What does that mean? So the point I'm making there, Bill, is this. My wife and I were just walking around our community, praying for our world. But I felt this prompting to talk to a woman. As a consequence, I went to see her son. As a consequence of that, I kept visiting him every week for about three months until he died. But the day before he died, his face was transformed. And then I ended up preaching at the funeral. It's re remarkable. It is absolutely remarkable that you take the next step of faith. The prompting of the Holy Spirit has you reach out to her, introduce yourself. She knows who you are. You have a conversation, you show care, like we've talked about, you show care for her family situation. She has a dying son, and she asks you to go visit her dying son. What a gift. The next thing you know, three months later, you're preaching at his funeral, attended by 800 people, who probably many were hearing the gospel for the first time. Oh, I, I would say there were probably less than four Christians at that funeral. Wow. I know. But I think the point there, Bill, what I'm trying to say is this, that, you know, wherever we go, we carry the presence of Jesus, the aroma of Jesus. And, you know, we just in our natural daily routine, whoever we encounter, we are Christ's representatives. And, and the Lord may prompt us. You know, I I, I carry in my in my jacket pocket a pair of socks and a booklet and oil now you're saying why why and the reason i carry a pair of socks in my pocket is because 
if I see a homeless man in the street, um, I will give them a pair of socks. That's the first thing I do. I say, would you like a clean pair of socks? And they all go, yes, please. And I give them a clean pair of socks. And then I will often say, do you need a meal? And then I'll say, can I also give you this little booklet that it's, it's spiritual food, it's for your soul. And then if they want me to pray for them, I sometimes anoint them with oil. So I think it's this intentionality build, which I want to encourage in others. I would, I would say that, John, your approach is beautiful. It's so invitational. You ask questions. Can I? Would you like a, a clean pair of socks? I mean, to a homeless person, that is, uh, that is a significant gift. And then you've got a platform on which to keep asking questions where you are showing interest and love for them. And I think that's such a great illustration of natural evangelism. So I so appreciate you sharing that. I know Peter Kapsner has joined us. And Peter, I know you've been listening for the last five minutes or so, but uh, how beautiful that what John does is so natural for him. And I think there's something that we can all learn from this. Yeah, I, I stepped into the probably the final two-thirds of that story, and it was just mesmerized. I mean, it, because it, it did, not only did it feel so sacred and holy, these moments, but but it also somehow felt accessible. And Jay John, I'm curious for you, I think sometimes when we think about evangelism or sharing or asking these questions, you're thinking about it through the lens of, I've got to get further along in this process of sharing the gospel. But it sounds to me like for you, you're just simply being present to people and allowing that flow to take place as it's going to take place and trust the Spirit to keep guiding that. Uh, absolutely, Peter. I mean, uh, the way I think of it is that, you know, before you become a believer in Jesus, you're in negative territory. And then when you become a believer, uh, you're in Christ, you're born again, you receive Christ, you're in positive territory. And many of the people that we're all interacting with, uh, they're at different stages of the, the negative part. So some of them might be minus 100, some might be minus 10. But what we're trying to do with every single one of them is help them move on in their journey of faith. And, and I think rather than, oh, the minus 100, I've got to get that person crossed over to be born again. No, my first encounter is that hopefully I can give them a pair of socks or I can say a kind word or I can do something and it will just help them move to minus 90. Um, when I, I went to get my hair cut and the, the hairdresser who was cutting my hair, they had their keys on a key ring in front of me by their mirror and on the key ring was a rabbit's foot and and I said to the hairdresser why have you got a rabbit's foot on your key ring and they said oh that's to bring us good luck I said but the rabbit wasn't lucky how can <laughs> an unlucky I said to them how can an unlucky rabbit bring you any luck they said, I can't believe it. You're right. And they took the rabbit's foot off the key ring and they threw it in the trash can. And for the next 30 minutes, we did, we talked about superstition. Hmm. So I'm, they moved from minus 100 to maybe minus 80. Mm -hmm. And then gradually I then invited them to a course that my wife and I were running in our home called Agnostics Anonymous. 
and uh, <laughs> join the group. That's a great story and a very simple observation. And you made a point of it and then it moved the conversation. And again, uh, John, I think it's important to realize that we don't have to go from zero to a thousand unless the Lord takes us there. And maybe we move the needle 10 percentage points and they've gone from being at negative 100 to, you know, negative 90. And that is part of the, the process on which they're they're headed. And they're going to be slightly more trustful of the next Christian they talk to, slightly more receptive to the next Christian they talk to, or maybe that next Christian is going to be you again. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all links in the chain. And I'm just one link. And Peter, you are, Bill, you are. We're all just links in the chain. And God uses many links to help people in their journey of faith. So I love the the caring element and how important it is for us to be caring. The world has gotten more dangerous, uh, John, when you think of people on the street who are homeless and you think of some of the mental health issues. Uh, Sharing the gospel and being an ambassador for Christ takes courage, it takes boldness, uh, and it takes a lot of prayer. It does. And it's not just the homeless person. Uh, The Lord put on my heart this uh, very famous figure um, over this side of the pond who's a billionaire. And uh, I I just was praying for his salvation. So I wrote to him and I said, "Um, can I come and see you? And I get a reply. uh, Dear, dear Reverend J. John. No. So I thought, oh, okay. well, at least I asked. Of six months later, I get another prompting. So I write to him again, can I come and see you? And I get the same reply, dear Reverend J. John, no. And then he signs it. And it happened a third time. He said, no. My wife said, stop doing it. I said, well, I only do it when I feel a prompting. Anyway, a week after I received his third letter, he phoned me up because my phone was on the letter I wrote to him. And he said, when can you come? And I said, well, I'll I'll come whenever it's convenient for you. So a week later, my wife and I go down to see him. And um, he says, I'm an atheist. Well, first of all, my wife said, what are you going to say? I said, well, the Lord will guide me. And I I said, listen, I'm not going to waste your time. You're a very busy man. But I've come here to tell you about how you can have a hope for your future. And he said, I'm an atheist. I said, well, God doesn't believe in atheists. And he found that funny. (laughs) Anyway, cut a long story short. He phones me up every week and he's still on the journey of faith. Wow. He's Mm. not there yet. Yeah. But I'm just, again, telling you, you know, that was a completely random thing. I saw him in the news. I started praying for him, but then I wrote him a letter and now he phones me every week. I still say that takes boldness and courage, and you did both. So I, I, I love that story, J. John. We're going to take a short break. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are so glad to talk to J. John. If you go to canonjjohn.com, you can learn more about him and his writing and his books and his uh, speaking, and he's, everything he does is amazing. So we're going to we'll come back as we talk about natural evangelism. We're going to talk about how important it is to share. That's all next.
Natural evangelism, that means you, that means me, that means Canon J. John, that means Peter Kapsner, that means your cousin, it means everybody. We all need to be natural evangelists, and uh, J. John is helping us understand how to do that. And he's done a magnificent job, not only with some great principles, but also some great stories. We're going to now talk about how important it is to be sharing. And J. John, what, what do you mean by that? Okay, yes, praying leads to caring and praying and caring leads to sharing in 1 peter 3 verse 15 we read this always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect i was really inspired by a translation of the prologue to John's Gospel by Erasmus, and um, that's in the 1400s. And hmm. instead of in the beginning was the word, Erasmus translated it, in the beginning was the conversation. I really like that. Are we keeping the conversation about Jesus going? And I, and I think this is where we've got to articulate it and help people. When I got baptized, I remember saying at my baptism uh, after I'd received Christ, my friend Andy built a bridge from him to me. And when he did, Christ Jesus walked over it. So we've got to be these people who build these bridges. And in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, we read, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So I think, you know, we need to be people who are intentional in praying. And if we are, we'll have opportunities for caring. And if we are, we'll have opportunities for sharing. I'll just tell you one story. I, I went to speak at Sydney University and it was pretty remarkable because we couldn't contain all the students that wanted to come uh, in inside the university because the, the largest auditorium wasn't big enough. So we had to move the meetings to the open air to accommodate the students and there was like 4,000 coming to the meetings. And after one meeting, um, some students were talking to me and this girl came along and she interrupted them, interrupted them and me and said, I hated what you said. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. She says, I can tell you this, that church ruins people's lives. And I said, oh, I'm very, very sorry that you feel that. I said, do you have a few minutes? And she's like, why? I said, well, if you've got a few minutes, could we have a coffee? And she's like, I don't know. And then she goes, all right. So we go to the university cafeteria, we have a coffee. I said, why, why are you so angry? And she, and I just listened. Now that was a Monday. I said, come and hear me Tuesday, we'll have a coffee. She did, we, and we had a coffee. Come and hear me Wednesday, and we'll have a coffee. She did, come and hear me Thursday, and we'll have a coffee. She did. I said, there's one meeting left Friday. Come and hear me Friday, and we'll have a coffee. And Friday, She's ransomed, healed, restored, 
and forgiven. That girl's name is Christine Kane. Now, I don't know whether your viewers are uh, listeners are familiar with her, but if you Googled her, um, she is a remarkable preacher evangelist and the director of a charity called A21, which is anti-human trafficking. Okay, so what's the point I'm making there is, I took the time to take her for five coffees. Mm. And JJ, as you did that, and you, and you talk about sharing the hope, and how would you describe that hope? I mean, it's, it's a, both a hope that actually animates you, I'm guessing, but it also is a hope that you can talk about. This is a very real hope. So when you're using that Peter passage to be ready to give an account for the hope that you carry, how would you describe that hope that you want to share with other people? Well, if we look at John chapter 4, Peter, which is beautiful, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, okay, now, we read in John chapter four that Jesus was at one point, he wanted to go to another point. Now, every other Jew would have walked around Samaria because Jews hated Samaritans. But the first thing you read is Jesus walked into Samaria. So Jesus breaks long-standing traditions. So he meets this woman. Okay, what were the barriers that existed between the woman and Jesus? Well, she was living in adultery, he's the high priest. So you've got a moral barrier. She's a woman, he's a man. You've got a social barrier. She's a Samaritan. He's Jewish. You've got a racial barrier. She's a Samaritan. He's Jewish. You've got a religious barrier. So my word, you've got a social, moral, racial, religious barrier. How did Jesus communicate with this woman? Well, he focused on what they had in common. What did they have in common? H2O. So he starts talking to her about water. And then he says, by the way, I know about another type of water. And if you drink this other water, you won't be thirsty. And then he speaks into her life. Now, she, rep she responds to Jesus four times in the passage in John 4. The first time she calls him Jew. The second time she calls him sir. The third time she calls him prophet. And the fourth time she calls him Messiah. And then she drops her pots and she goes and gets her neighbors and they come out. So Jesus went out of his way, stopped at a well, spoke to one woman, and then you get the Samaritan revival. Hmm. Jay John, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but you've done such a really wonderful job of talking about natural evangelism. And I think, could we also use the word lifestyle evangelism? Because I would think out of your own lifestyle would become would come your, your natural style for how you would go about talking, bringing up the, bringing up the subject. Absolutely, Bill. Yeah. Lifestyle evangelism, you know, that's, that's really what it is. Um, mm -hmm. and, and picking up on Peter's last question about a hope, you know, we, we do have a hope and it's very important to remind ourselves uh, to what Jesus said, men and women are traveling on one or two roads Men and women are serving one or two masters. Men and women are building their lives on one or two foundations. Men and women are going into one or two doors. Men and women are heading towards one or two destinies. And, and that's a reminder that, that this is serious. And, you know, our life here on earth is a blip on the eternal screen. You know, we, we've read the last page. We've read the last chapter. We know 
there is an, an eternity. Mm -hmm. Jay John, you've done such a great job of encouraging me to not only continue to want to do good works, but speak the truth. I think those mm -hmm. are, those are, that's peanut butter and jelly. They go together. Um, it's great to share the gospel verbally. We need to do that. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. But when you talk about uh, praying and uh, caring and sharing, boy, you get into a deeper relationship where, where people start to know you and trust you. And then when they are more open to hearing what you have to say, I think you've got a much uh, greater opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. Well, Bill, I tell you this, Bill, I'm just thankful that Andy Economides told me about Jesus when I was a yeah. student. Hmm. I love that guy. And I love you. Thank you so much, Jay John, for coming on the program. Thank Peter you. And I love talking to you. Love it. Thanks, yep. Bill. Thank you Thanks, so much. Peter. You bet. You can go to canonjjohn.com. That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.